Welcome to Pursue Wisdom, the teaching podcast of Bethlehem Church in Austin, Minnesota. I'm Paul Steele. I'm the pastor at Bethlehem Church, and we are in a sermon series called Lost as we take a look at how God wants us to use our money. Most Americans are lost when it comes to our finances. We have too much debt, and each month we experience significant financial pressure. Jesus and the rest of the Bible say too much about finances and money for us to be lost financially. My prayer is that this series will help you take the first steps in becoming a good manager, a good steward of the resources that God has given to you. Now let's get into the sermon. We are starting, we are in this sermon series, uh, Lost, and so today we are looking at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. So when you are lost in the wilderness, the best thing to do is not to panic. Because usually when people panic, they start to make bad decisions. So, so what you're supposed to do, which is easier said than done, you know, and like it's easy to sit, sit up here and say, hey, don't panic when you're in that situation, like oh, that's all you can do. But, the, the, but what you need to do is, is to let that feeling of panic pass. And one of the ways that you can do that is to practice stop. STOP is this acronym that they came up with so that you can remember what are you supposed to do when you get lost and you're in the wilderness. So S just stands for stop, stop walking, because you're not going to get unlost by going faster in the wrong direction, right? You're going to make yourself even more lost. And so the very first thing is just to stop, sit down, kind of Get, get yourself calm. The T stands for think. So as you stop, as you kind of calm down, just think about, think about things like, ask yourself questions like, what direction was I going in? Think about, uh, have I seen any landmarks? What's kind of stood out to me as I've walked along here? Um, ask yourself, well, how long have I been walking? You know, like those are some basic basic questions because in the wilderness with a pack on and everything you're you're you know uh you're only going to be walking about two miles per hour so if you you know like well how far have i gone you know if you've only been going for an hour or so you can kind of know uh judge how far you've come since then um then uh, then the o stands for Oh, yeah, so just calm down, think clearly. The O stands for observe. You know, look around. Look around at your surroundings. What's there near you? You know, do you have a map? Can you look at your map and kind of see where you might be? Maybe you've had your phone or your camera, you've been taking pictures. Can you go back through those pictures and see anything that looks familiar? Could you maybe backtrack from where you are? Um, but also, maybe you, you need to pay attention to the weather because moving on from that spot, if a storm's coming in, it's not the best thing. Maybe what you really need to do 
right then is to find shelter, build a shelter. So observe, observe what's going on. The last one is P, plan. You need to plan. So don't move until you have a plan. In fact, really, once you get lost, one of the best things to do in the wilderness is just to stay put, especially if you've told someone, which you're supposed to do, where you are or what trail you were going, what time you were leaving, so that, and that you will contact them once you get back. That way, somebody knows where you are, or at least the area you are, and that you're late, that people need to start looking for you. you know? And so just to stay there, to have a plan, like what am I going to do moving forward? When we are lost, we're gonna panic. It's natural. You can't overcome that feeling of panic that comes at you. The trick is letting the pa panic pass rather than letting it control you. And so when we're talking about money and finances, let's face it, for many of us, panic is what happens. We get overwhelmed, we get scared. Most Americans are lost financially. So mind over, the Mind Over Money survey that's done by Capital One and the Decision Lab came out in December 2022. So this is their newest survey, came out last month. This is what they found. They found that 77% of Americans feel anxious about their financial situation. 77% are feeling anxious, feeling this, this panic in them about their financial situation. 58% feel like finances control their lives, right? So that's kind of all that they talk about. It's, 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 it's how they spend their time. Like, hey, if I don't pick up this overtime, if I don't do this, you know, like we, you know, it, finances and their money feel like that's what controls their lives. 52% uh, say they have difficulty controlling their money-related worries. So over half of Americans have, say they have difficulty controlling those feelings associated with their financial situation. It's, it, it's consuming their thoughts, it's consuming their, their attention, you know, it's, it's what their lives are all about. And then 41% say their financial worries cause them trouble sleeping. So it's starting to affect their health. It's starting to f affect their sleep. So if you feel lost when it comes to your finances, you're not alone. That's where most people are, at least in the United States. Like they're lost financially and there's this worry, there's this panic that is overcoming them. And so the reason I wanted to do this sermon series was because I don't want us to be lost financially. I don't want us to be like most Americans. I don't want it, us to, be, to, to feel like finances are controlling our lives, that we're anxious about our money and our, our financial situations. I don't want us to have those sleepless nights because we are worrying about how we're going to pay this or how we're going to do that. We want to be different. We want to live different lives because we're following Jesus. So as Christians, it's crucial that we build on the foundation for our financial lives. 
not on our income, not on our bank account, but on our faith. Money is a spiritual issue, right? That's why we're talking about it here at church. Money is a spiritual issue. Jesus talked about money. The Bible talks about money. In fact, Jesus talked too much about money for us to be lost financially. So here is the foundation of what Jesus taught about our money. He taught that money is a worship thief, right? That it competes with God for our worship, for control of our lives. That's why Jesus wants us to remember that everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. It's all God's. So we may say it's our money, but the reality is that it's God's money. So we have to have this change of perspective. We need to have our minds renewed so that we're looking at things differently. That money belongs to God and that he has given it to us. He has loaned it to us. So money is a tool that God has loaned to us. Why has he loaned it to us? So that we can be a blessing to others. God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing. And because we see money as a tool that God has loaned to us, that means we are God's stewards. Remember, a steward is a person who manages the affairs or the property of another person. So we are managing the property of God. He has given this to us. He has loaned it to us, so we want to be a good steward of it. And the way that we are a good steward of God's money is that we have a plan. And that plan is called a budget, right? And so last week we talked about how we need to have this plan, we need to have this budget that allows us to give, to save, and to live on the rest. So to be a good steward of God's money, we need to have a plan. We need to have, you know, how are we going to manage this well? And we have to remember the reason that God has given this to us is so that we can be a blessing to others. So we are generous, we give, we also realize that God has given it to us so we, so as a way to provide for us, so we want to save a little, and then we want to live on the rest. Like, we don't want to determine our lifestyle just based on our desires on what we want to do because that's going to cause us to make foolish decisions. Rather, we want to make our lifestyle dependent upon what we have what God has blessed us with. That determines what our lifestyle looks like. <sighs> but in the past, this is where I've started to panic, right? Create a budget. Why? Because a budget feels restrictive. I won't be able to do what I want to do. I have all these other plans. I, this is what I want to be able to do with my money. I want to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. You know, I don't want to save for it. I don't want to have to plan for it. I just want to be able to do it. It feels like you're losing your freedom. 
A budget can feel like a loss of freedom. And so when we have that loss of freedom, we're going to end up panicking. But let's just stop for a moment and answer this question. Why do we want freedom? Why do we want freedom? Well, we want freedom because we're discontent. What we have doesn't satisfy us. We think, man, it's my money. Well, we think if my money isn't budgeted, so if it's not put off limits, right, then I can spend it on whatever I want. So when I want a new car, when I want a new phone, when I want this or what, I can just go and spend my money on it and I don't have to wait, I don't have to save for it. Man, I can have my desires met right away. But here's the thing, right? Our discontentment isn't going to be solved by money. Money is not going to solve our discontentment. We're going to want more. See, when, when we base our contentment on the things that we have, on what the world around us says that we need, we're opening this black hole into our heart that can never be filled. We can't be satisfied. There's no possible way because there's always going to be something new, better, greater out there that we will want. There's always going to be a new car. There's always going to be a new computer. There's always going to be a new phone. There's always going to be a new exciting vacation to take. And we're never going to be content. So our contentment issue is not a money issue. Having a greater income is not going to solve that problem. Money is a spiritual issue. Our contentment is a spiritual issue. And so when we're talking about our finances, we don't want to get to a place where we're panicking. Don't panic. We want to get to a place of contentment, where we're content with what God has given to us. This is what the Apostle Paul taught in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. So 1 Timothy Chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people, craving money, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So 1 Timothy is a letter written to Timothy to encourage his work in Ephesus. And... uh, And that work that Paul left Timothy in Ephesus to do was to teach and establish leadership in that church so that the church could be healthy and accomplish its mission of making disciples. 
But one of the problems that was happening in Ephesus was that these false teachers were coming in, and one of the things that made them false teachers was their motivation. They were teaching because they wanted to get something out of it. They were expecting financial gain from their teaching. And that's what Paul is talking about here. Paul, Paul, and so Paul is telling Timothy, he should not be like that. He shouldn't be like those false teachers who are trying to gain something, some material wealth from the people they were teaching. He says, you need to strive for godliness and find contentment. That is great wealth. Great wealth is being godly, having our, our, you know, working to the point where we are demonstrating God's character. We're bearing God's image in this world. That's what it means to be godly, right? To reflect God's character in this world. So be godly, have this godly character in you, and be content. Be content with what God is blessing you with. That's great wealth. Because when you have those two things, when that's your reality, then you're not going to be discontent. You're not going to have these desires that take you away from Jesus. You're not going to have dollar signs in your eyes. Trying to pursue a life that God didn't call you to, to, to pursue. So remember back to our parable last week, right? The parable Jesus told last, that we looked at last week was that there was this farmer who had this great harvest and he has to make this decision. What am I going to do? And he decides, I'm going to tear down my barns, going to build bigger barns, and I'm going to hoard this so I can enjoy it all. And God says, man, you're a fool because you're going to die tonight, and then who's going to have it? Right? And... and uh, Jesus says, a fool is anybody who builds up riches here but is not rich in their relationship with God, right? And so to be rich in our relationship with God isn't just mean that we're having our time, of, our quiet time of, of prayer and Bible study. No, having a rich relationship with God is having that transformed life where we are demonstrating God's character in this world. We're doing what he has called us to do. We're walking with him in our everyday life and the things that we say and the things that we do. That's what gives us eternal wealth because everything else is just temporary. So think about the things that the world tells us to desire. They're often just temporary. They don't last. But we're fooled into putting so much time and energy into these things. Like we spend our whole life, we arrange our lives around them. 
And yet they end up breaking, they end up wearing out even before we do. And this is why the Bible says it's foolish to desire wealth. It's desire. And so, so, and, and so wealth is not just money, but it's, it's everything that we have. It's foolish to desire that because it's not going to last. And our pursuit of the temporary has a tendency, this is what Paul says, to lead us away from Jesus. So, uh, right, Paul says there, uh, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Craving money, desiring the things that are temporary, they have wandered away from the true faith. They have wandered away from Jesus. So think back to the parable that Jesus told about the soils. One of the soils, the weed, the weedy soils. Jesus says, those are the people who, man, they start off well, but then they get choked by the desires of this world, by the worries and cares of this world. When we desire the things of this world, when we're pursuing great wealth, when we're pursuing material gain, when that is our sole focus in life, it's going to lead us away from Jesus. That's why Paul is telling, is offering this warning to Timothy and to us. Be careful what you desire. Be careful of what you love. Because if your true love isn't Jesus, if you're not following out after Jesus, you're going to be led astray. Be careful. Find contentment with God and what he has given to you. So this brings us to the question, how can we be different? How can we be different? How can we not desire wealth and material things? Because it's so easy to do. Right? We're all there. We've all had that experience. How can we be different? Well, first, we need to listen to Jesus, right? So, Jesus, in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Listen to Jesus. Jesus says, this is your first priority. This is what you should desire. This is what you pursue. Not great wealth, not material gain, but seek God's kingdom. Seek the things that are eternal. And this isn't just about, hey, wait and, and, and think about going to heaven. No, this is about, right, Jesus had just taught, right, a little bit before this, the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. How do we seek God's kingdom? We pray for it to come here, that his will be done. And who's responsible for doing God's will? His people. And so we seek to do his will. That's how we pursue God's kingdom. That's how we seek God's kingdom, is by doing God's will. 
by loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. That's what he's called us to do. And as we do that, we trust that he will provide for our lives, that he will transform us into the people he created us to be. So if we truly trust God, we're going to trust that he will provide for us. So one of the things that we need to kind of understand about the culture that the New Testament was written into was that they were a, a patron society in, in that, that, that you had most people were dependent. Uh, so they, they were dependent on, on, uh, on working for somebody else a patron. And so there was this practice where every day the people under that patron would line up at the patron's door and say, hey, this is what I need today. Can you give it to me? And that's part of the picture here that Jesus has for us as God's people. We're lining up. So, so when Jesus says, hey, pray Right? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. This is that image of going to God daily and asking God what we need. God, this is what I need today. This is what I need. Can you give it to me? Will you give it to me? Will you provide for me? James says, remember when we went through James last summer, James says that we don't have, why? Because we don't ask God. I think so often we're missing out on God's blessings because we're simply not even asking for them. We're not lining up and asking God, give us today our daily bread. Give us what we need today. And we're missing out. And so part of trusting God is truly trusting that he will provide for our needs. And we find contentment in that reality. We also need to remember that we are stewards and that money is a tool. So as we seek to bring the kingdom in or as we seek after the kingdom, we are seeking to bless people. We are generous with what God has given to us. We're hospitable. So generosity doesn't just show up in what we give. Generosity shows up in our hospitality and how we love one another. Our relationship with God and our relationship with others is vital. And on Facebook this, this week, I posted an article where they did this study on what makes people happy. And you know the number one thing that makes people happy? Our relationships. When we have a great relationship with God, when we have relationships with other people, that's going to improve our outlook on life. That's going to make us content. That's the secret. You want to be content, have a good relationship with God, have a good relationship with other people. This contentment sneaks in when we think we're missing out on something. Rather than focusing on what we don't have, 
when we're generous, when we're hospitable, when we're working on our relationships, we focus on other people and showing love to them. It's not about us. It's about the other person. So here's our big idea this morning. To be good stewards of God's money, we need to find contentment with Jesus. To be good stewards of God's money, we need to find contentment with Jesus. Because if we don't have that contentment with Jesus, we're going to think money is the answer to our problems. We're going to think money is the most important thing. We're going to think our material wealth is what really matters. And we're going to be discontent with what we don't have. You know, we're not going to have it all. And that's okay. That's okay, and it's okay. One of the things we have to tell ourselves is it's okay not to have the newest and the best. It's okay to live simply. What matters most is in life is not the size of our house, but the relationships that we have, our relationship with God and our relationships with others. When we have good relationships, contentment's going to follow. So work on your relationships. So here's the challenge we have for this week. Write a letter of thanksgiving to God. Another key to contentment is being grateful. Being grateful for what we do have. Contentment comes from gratitude for what we do have. Discontentment is focusing on what we don't have. Thank God for what he has given to you. And remember, it's all a blessing from God. It's a, our health is a blessing, our life is a blessing, the clothes on our back is a blessing, the car that we, live, we drive is a blessing, the house that we live in is a blessing. It's all a blessing from God. It all belongs to him. He has given it to us. And so we're content and we're grateful for that blessing. Money is a spiritual issue. It's also a difficult one for many of us. When we talk about finances, when we talk about money, it can bring up worry and anxiety in us. I'm one of those people. And so I want to encourage you to keep moving forward in this process. Take it slow. Things aren't gonna change overnight. And trust God. He is going to provide for your needs. So pray and trust in him. I hope that you have a great week. I'll see you back here next week. God bless.